Coming up on today's Locked on Bucks, we revisit the somewhat early exit, earlier than Bucks fans had hoped for exit from the in-season tournament. And uh, more importantly, take a look at uh, some of the comments that came out after that game from Giannis about uh, his team's assessment so far and uh, some of the things that we heard that may have uh, happened in the locker room. We'll get into that as best we can and preview another matchup with the Chicago Bulls coming up on Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome into Locked On Bucks. I am uh, Justin Garcia. In addition to this show, you can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network, joined as uh, always by Camille Davis, who you can hear on the Technical Foul Podcast, and uh, for all the Packers fans as well, suddenly more Packers fans than we had a couple weeks ago, Camille, on the Carry the G in uh, MKE Podcast. We thank you for making Locked On your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's Lockdown Bucks is brought to you by Prize Picks. It is the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA. Use code all lowercase NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Uh, so, Camille, I mentioned we'll revisit a bit of what we saw in the semifinals. You and Frank uh, dove into that quite a bit on the postgame show. Um but I think the the most interesting part, it, it wasn't a totally unexpected result. This has been an elite Pacers offense that we kind of uh, prepared you for going in of, look, there's going to be a lot of scoring. And there was, frankly, less scoring than I anticipated. Um, but what we saw was, I don't know how much of it was kind of what we've talked about with the Bucks recently, where the Pacers we're doing just enough on the defensive end. And that's kind of been a trend in some of their games, by the way, um, versus the Bucks just not executing. But that's the constant that we've talked about a lot with the Bucks' success this season, too, of obviously you know what to expect from the offense. But down the stretch, is it the defense that's actually better? Is it the opponents that just aren't executing? Are those two related together? And that's what we saw from the Pacers on Thursday. Absolutely. And that was one of the biggest takeaways for me that, I didn't necessarily expect because we've seen the Bucks be one of the top teams in the clutch. We have talked at many of times about the various problems that we're seeing with the Bucks, or maybe we shouldn't call them problems that all full blown out, but just things that we're keeping an eye on at this point in the season while they're still going through some growing pains where you expect when it gets to clutch time, based on what we've seen so far from this team this season, that the Bucks will tighten things up. The offense will make buckets, get scores when they need to, and they'll make enough stops to be able to get that victory. And against the Pacers in that tournament game, it was the opposite way around where the Pacers actually came through. They got the stops they needed. They scored the buckets they needed. They got big offensive rebounds when the time needed. Like they did what they had to do during that time. And that was the the shocker of the game for me necessarily. Not that, you know, the Bucs looked poor at times or they were confused at times, but just like, oh, the Pacers did the Bucs number a bit better than the Bucs were able to do on this particular game. All right. So I, I do, because it kind of relates to everything that we started to talk about, want to get to some of the comments that we see coming in here. Uh, number one, when uh, Rodrigo asking when Jay Crowder comes back, hopefully mid-January, I think is is the best timeline there. It's going to be after New Year's. Um, and look, 
the what makes Jay Crowder's absence especially tough is he's the guy that the Bucks have in terms of larger wings that this season we've seen Jay show that ability to defend the perimeter more than he did last season. You have other guys like Marjan Bochamp and Andre Jackson Jr. We haven't seen them for extended runs. And I think in the case of Marjan, um, we've seen him defending bigs a little better, but not so much the speed. So Jay Crowder's really at this point, at the point he went out, was probably their best guy out there. So that's been a glaring loss. Although the, the interesting part is it does seem like a lot of the point production has come down from those high scoring wings after the first, what, two weeks of the season when that was a heavy talking point. Not so much the efficiency. So it's not as if the Bucks defense has fixed everything in defending uh, guards and players on the perimeter. But yeah, it, it's probably going to be mid-January for Jay Crowder. And even then, you have to wonder, eight-week timeline, six to eight-week timeline is just when we'd clear you. But when are you actually 100% and back in the swing of things that it may be something that's past the all-star break and like the last month of the regular season where it's, hey, Jay Crowder looks like the guy that he was in the beginning of the season. Exactly that, because if you think about this season in particular with Jay Crowder mentioning the fact like I came into camp in great shape, like he was dealing with some problems with that groin injury, but he was just like, hey, I'm in really good shape. My conditioning is up. He came into the season really hot and you saw it. And we saw last year when we acquired him that it took him a little bit to try to get his footing together. And at that time, the question was, are we seeing this rust because he hasn't played basketball most of this year? Or are we seeing this, Russ, because at this point in his career, um, he's starting to decline? And coming into this season with the conditioning and how he started the season off, you can definitely see that it's something around more so the conditioning, having your NBA legs ready and coming back from injury, you're still going to need some time to be able to get yourself back into game shape. And in the interview that I saw with Jay uh, with the Journal Sentinel, he mentioned the fact that I'm happy at the very least that when I do get back, I'll have some time to continue to get my legs underneath me again. So I love that aspect of it, that he's going to have some time before, you know, it's playoff time before we get into that final stretch. But it's something to keep into consideration when he does come back to not expect for him to pick up exactly where he left off, but give him a little bit of grace to kind of figure things out and get back to what we were seeing prior to the injury. Yeah, and it was a fair question, too, for not just Jay Crowder, but I think for a number of players on this roster, when we talk about the oldest roster in the league, that if you do see any stretch of five games or more where the play starts to decline, you're going to start to question, well, is it just that they're at that age that, that it's coming there? And I think for Jay Crowder, that was the strongest chance in the offseason, but but he's certainly quieted uh, a lot of those. The other part, we talked about this a little bit, um, but Brian asks, or basically points out, Pacers only shot 21% from three. All in the paint. And I think that's the biggest, right, that's the biggest misnomer with this Pacers team when you think about the offense. You think about three-point shooting, and that's just not what they do. It's not that they don't take threes. They're much more judicious with the threes that they take, uh, but they're not a high-volume three-point team. They score in the paints as they got 72 points against the Bucks, and the way they do that is blow-bys, number one, but they score in transition and even off of Bucks makes. You and Frank talked about it. Think about the number of times that the Bucs were making a shot and the Pacers were already halfway down the court and in transition and ready to score, those become points in the paint on layups. So that's how Indiana gets their offense. And it doesn't help that a strength of their offense and how they get buckets is a weakness of the Bucs defense and how they defend buckets. Like That's been a thing that we've talked about 
throughout this season. And I know we're going to speak a little bit more about Giannis's comments, but I feel like a lot of what he said after that L uh, rang that part up true, where you're seeing guys on defense, they're, they're jogging back, or if they are back, they're not necessarily looking to play defense. They're just already getting back to their spots, a lot of jogging back on defense. And other teams are going to see that in the scouting report and take advantage of that. And that's something that you saw in this Pacers loss. They definitely took advantage of that. They ran um, when the Bucks were in their zone coverage. They were able to get a lot of rebounds as well. And I mean, I see the comment section is is going in about Bobby a little bit and how Bucks Twitter seems to want to, you know, make a switch there. And, you know, listen, with the way that this team is playing at the moment, it's it's been kind of like a litmus test on where you stand. How do you see this? It's kind of like when you see the pictures of like the shrinking. Like, what do you see in this picture here that I'm showing you? Someone says a donkey, someone says a horse. And with this Bucks team, that's what it comes down to a lot, where it's like, what do you see when you look at this Bucks team right now? Do you see a team that's going through growing pains and they're learning, trying to figure it out? Or are you seeing a team that has some glaring weaknesses that are going to be exposed in the playoffs? And honestly, for myself, it feels a little bit kind of in between uh, those two extremes that we see constantly between uh, people in Bucks Twitter community. Yeah, and uh, we we are going to get into uh, those Giannis comments and the report from Chris Haynes after the game as well, coming up after the break. But um, yeah, I do agree with one other thing that um, has been pointed out quite a bit here. And I don't, I'm, I'm in line with the man. I, I feel bad for Brooke because, look, Brooke, the first four games of this season, and we spent quite a bit of time on one of the more recent shows to pondering if he is the most unsung hero on this team, but he was not put in a position to succeed for the first four games. When they made that change, you could immediately see, okay, he is still the Brooke Lopez that we had a season ago. And, and for the last five years, for that matter, um, at least through 20 games, this may be the best defensive season of his career, which is crazy to suggest with where this team defense is at. But I think if we go back to the Pacers game, that was the tough part, and I, and I think Giannis kind of hints at it, too, with his comments. But, you know, you left that game saying Giannis was fantastic again, and the Pacers just have no one to defend him, up to 91 points efficiently in two games against the Pacers. Dame had his moments. Dame certainly got going in the third quarter there. Mm -hmm. um, didn't really see the ball a lot, which, again, we'll get to in the fourth quarter. And then there was Brooke. That was doing everything he could. I saw people pointing to he took 10 threes. That's way too many. Some of those were pretty good looks. There was a couple in the fourth quarter that were open looks that he just missed. I'm fine with him taking those because we've seen him put the ball on the floor and attack around the paint a lot more as well. It's really those guys that you would point to and say, I felt like they had large portions of or fully played a good game. Other than that, the struggle was finding who else could we move that was Close to that category and against a Pacers team especially that plays an up-tempo style and that gets scoring from all across their roster it's not just Tyrese Halliburton that's especially tough to keep up with when they're getting consistent I'm not going to use the word efforts but they're getting consistent play from essentially their entire team and, and for the Bucks, for a large stretch of that game it was a one-man show it was really two and a half for the duration of the game I just have to say, I love how Jason Kidd has, uh, to all Bucks fans, <laughs> used the phrase energy and effort enough that to Bucks fans, like, I don't even want to hear anything. Well, and that I think we had to pull Adrian Griffin aside after the first yeah. couple of weeks and say, listen, you got to stop saying these two words together. I don't care if you use one or the other, but do not ever say energy and effort. 
it just gives some bad flashbacks when you hear them together. But no, I mean, that's part of the the genius of Tyrese Halliburton that people are able to see now. It's because he doesn't really force the game. Like against the Bucks, he was able to attack Brooke and just get the ball up at the perfect angle almost every time where he did. And if he didn't feel like he had the right angle to get a shot off, he was very fine and accurate at dishing it off to somebody who could make a bucket like the fact that he was able to put up that performance that he had with no turnovers it goes to say a lot about just how he runs that team and sets the pace for the team Um, no pun intended with them being the Pacers but like Tyrese is special and it was a game that you mentioned like the first quarter's close the second quarter the Pacers take the lead the third quarter the Bucks go into zone get that lead back down and make it more competitive again and then the Pacers start figuring out that zone coverage and they start making some plays and, and then the fourth quarter now we're looking at some clutch minutes and in this game the Bucks turned the ball over too many times which in addition helped to fuel the Pacers transition attack um, and they got too sloppy with their offense they weren't able to execute down the stretch that way either so you know that just adds up to a big L for the Bucks, and you don't want to see it but they they have to tighten that up back-to-back games with uh with no turnovers for Tyrese Halliburton and I think that was the third game this season where he had 15 or more assists and zero turnovers said six or seven games already with 10 assists and zero turnovers. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what makes them especially tough is he protects the basketball. Mm -hmm. He sets the pace as you pointed to for that team and gets everybody involved that, you know, it was on a quarterly basis that you could really point to which Pacers player was most impactful in that game. And again, for the bucks, We've seen that at times this season, but on Thursday night, it was really just Giannis, Giannis, Dame, Giannis. And that was basically it that, that you saw for that team. So I do want to get into those comments that Giannis made after the game. And uh, again, as, as we alluded to that report that came out from uh, from Chris Haynes as well, we will uh, get to that after the break here and uh, also after we tell you about our friends at Prize Picks. So, Prize Picks is the daily, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it is just you against the numbers. So, instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you simply pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. And from there, watch the winnings roll in. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks, Favorite players like rapper Meek Mill, comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under the promo tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. And Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entry stays in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So how you play, it's simple. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use code LOCKDOWNNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That address again is prizepicks.com slash NBA and the code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for a first deposit match up to $100. Hundred dollars. Do that now with Prize Picks. And uh, Camille, one other thing to keep people aware of as you're watching us on YouTube now, Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. 
Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Just go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, so the elephant in the room is, well, I suppose this game gave us two elephant in the rooms. Uh, one of that we'll get to two elephants in the room. Uh, one we'll get to in just a second, but I, I do want to start with, as you alluded to, the comments from Giannis after the game. This is, um, what, probably the third instance this season already where um, it's not as though Giannis is saying, okay, let me get everything off my chest here, but when you're asked about performance and, hey, what happened in the fourth quarter, earlier in the season it was the defense that you've had Giannis give these types of answers now about three times this season. So Giannis um, asked about basically the final quarter and the final couple of minutes of that game because, again, very similar game to the first meeting between these two teams. Pacers ran out to a double-digit lead. Bucks countered. They took the lead going into the fourth quarter, and then it all – suddenly changed. So Giannis was kind of asked about the similarities of that and just what we saw from that offensive group down the stretch and said, we have to be more organized. We have to know what we're trying to get down the stretch. At the end of the day, like down the stretch, it's about effort and attitude. You have to go out there and take it. I feel the Indiana Pacers team, that's what they did. So I think everybody is going to cling to the organization part, and especially as, as we've seen established early in this season, there are really two camps of Bucks fan this year. You're either with the head coach or you're against the head coach. There doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of in-between. And when you hear those comments like organization, mm -hmm. I think if you were already, I'm not sure about this, you're going to take those comments and run with, well, they're not organized. That starts at the top. That's clearly on the head coach. But I don't know, and this isn't just me as a Bucks employee saying this, but I don't know how much I can go along with that because for Adrian Griffin, I, I don't know that you can fault him for what happened down the stretch of that game. I'm not saying that there are things he shouldn't receive blame for this season, but Giannis saying organization, I think part of that is as much as we've joked about it the last couple of years, when you have a coach whose message is to play random, yes. you're empowered and have that freedom that this is how we used to do things. And as we saw with the defensive side, we knew it was going to be an adjustment to go from such a different defense in theory to what Adrian Griffin wants to run here. We saw after four games, it was just, okay, we, we're going to have to sprinkle in pieces of this. It can't be wholesale. And I think the same applies offensively. And especially when you have Damian Lillard, that you can kind of get into this tunnel vision of this is how we used to do things. This is me and Giannis. This is you know, Chris and Giannis or Chris and Brooks setting these things up. And it's just, well, it's different now, guys. You have Malik Beasley who can get his own shot. And, oh, by the way, you have maybe the best closer in the game that we got to look for ways to incorporate him. So, look, if you want to, to point blame or say what could you have done differently, if it was calling a timeout or, or getting in a huddle and saying, guys, we're getting away from this. We need to go back to that. Sure. But I don't think this is just Giannis said they're unorganized. That's a hundred percent on Adrian Griffin. Yeah, it's it's a situation where I don't think anyone is blameless, right? And with Giannis's comments, what I took from them a lot was, "Hey, 
he mentioned this organization, but he also mentioned the fact that the coaching staff isn't on the court with us. The coaching staff isn't the one that's not out there getting back on defense. The coaching staff isn't the one out here not rebounding, not boxing out. So for what the coaching staff might be able to do better, and I know we'll talk about that next with Bobby Portis's comments that were more pointedly directed at the coaching staff. Giannis's comments came off to me as like, we as the players need to play harder and play more consistent and be better ourselves. Because we already mentioned in the, the first segment here where it's like you're seeing the Pacers get easy buckets after Bucks makes. The Bucks are making buckets, and then on the inbound, the Pacers are going the other way because guys aren't getting back. There was one particular bucket in, uh, that I think of where Malik Beasley scored, and he had a rough scoring night. He scored, I think it was like a floater, and he's celebrating. And as he's celebrating, everyone else is getting back down the court. And the Pacers score very easily. And it's like, ah, you don't like yeah, to see things like that. But yeah, and that was the play where Giannis was in the corner. And basically, it, you see the chatter of Giannis didn't even contest that. Well, Giannis is coming from the corner. And at that point, it's, right. do I pick up the foul here? We're, we're already kind of beat. Yeah, and I see, I, sh I don't know if we mentioned it, but we are recording this live on YouTube. So we have some folks dropping in comments. And I've seen a few comments coming in about why couldn't the Bucks do what the Lakers did? do what the Lakers did against the Pacers. And it's like, well, the Lakers also have Vanderbilt and they have Cam Reddish, who has been um, pretty decent out or defensively so far and, this season. And so. Cam Reddish was fantastic last night. Yes. Yes. And that's a difference. So when you're looking at personnel, Lakers, Bucks don't exactly match up one-to-one. -one. You can look at the fact they have two bigs that if you count LeBron as a four, you know, a big at this point in his career um, that play defense, you can make that, you know, comparison to the Bucks with Brooke and with Giannis. But when you look at the wing defenders, it's not exactly apples to apples with the Lakers. So for those in the comments mentioning the fact about how the Lakers played them and how the Bucks played them, it's a little different. Cam Reddish is a little bit different to Malik Beasley. Jared Vanderbilt's a little bit different, you know, than even Torian Prince had. is a guy. I think the Bucks, yes. made, Hey, we could work with that on this current roster. Exactly. So that piece, I just wanted to, to call out for those in the comments, but when it comes to this Bucks team, they're going to figure it out with what they have at the moment. Like we understand that December 15th is a big date in the NBA. A lot of contracts become trade eligible. You can start having some more conversations and it'll be interesting to see what the Bucks um, look to try to do around this deadline. It's the question of like, do we have the folks in the locker room right now who can, you know, put together winning effort? And I think what we've seen so far in the small sample size with the Bucks is like, we have something here that can win games. What can we tweak around the edges here to be better? Because again, a lot of the ways the Bucks get beat, it's on them. It is, and you know, it seems like rebounding has come up quite a bit in the comments too. I As do want to get to that. It should, and it's it's really what two areas specifically that we have pointed to constantly for twenty one whatever number of games it is this season, and rebounding has been one of those. So I do want to get into that. Uh, coming up after our break here and take a little bit of a look at the uh, the Chicago Bulls, a team that we're very, very familiar with um, by now. But yes, rebounding. Oh, go ahead. I'll say we're too familiar with the, the Bulls at this part. The fact that we have Bulls and Pacers again this week, it's like, man, I'm tired <laughs> of seeing these teams. Can we get a little break? <laughs> the Pacers, what I could do without uh, having this this early. And hey, I got news for you. If If you're tired of, man, this team again, just wait until the week of Christmas when you get two more games with the, uh, the New York Knicks. So we'll get into all the rebounding issues that uh, this team has had of late because there are quite a few of those coming up after the break and after we tell you about FanDuel. 
As the weather gets colder, the NFL deals stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. You have a wide range of betting options like spreads, player props, over-unders, you name it, they have that and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season again. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, rebounding. Where uh, where do we even begin with this? Because it has been a constant uh, refrain here and in, in a couple of the comments pointing out, look at the number of rebounds the Lakers had against the Indiana Pacers that uh, you had LeBron, da- LeBron James and Anthony Davis combined for 31. Anthony Davis was uh, basically what we saw Giannis do to that defense of the Pacers, but statistically he took it up another level with 20 rebounds, that that's the type of player that's going to give this Pacers team problems. They are very athletic. They have some length. Miles Turner is a good rim protector, but you can scheme as we've seen teams do to pull him away from the basket. And then there's just nobody that's going to take on that type of challenge like a Giannis or an Anthony Davis. Um, but it is a valid point when you look at not just the, the raw rebounds, um, but you look at where they came from. The, the Lakers got 12 offensive rebounds. They won that battle against the Pacers. Pacers are a very bad rebounding team. They're okay on the offensive glass. And a lot of that has to do with a Miles Turner and a, a, a Bruce Brown and what he brings to the team and the way some of those guys play. But these are all areas the Bucs have been top five in team rebounding and defensive rebounding. They've been much better the last couple of years on the offensive glass when that became an emphasis. And now we've seen largely the same personnel slide all the way down towards the bottom in the league. And when you look at some of these instances, we saw a brief stretch two weeks ago when, um, you know, I know it's a small sample size, but for I think a five game stretch for about a week and a half, the Bucs were the best rebounding team in the league in offense or in defensive rebounding, total rebounding. They were much better on the offensive glass. Granted, they played very, very bad rebounding teams. But I thought that would be the start to say, okay, now they're starting to piece this together. I keep pointing back to Mike McCarthy, how he always used to say stack successes, that it was the Bucs essentially doing that. And then it just evaporated. And for whatever reason, this team that still has Giannis, that still has Brooke Lopez, that still has Bobby Portis, has gone from elite to very bad rebounding the ball. And look, it cannot be as simple. I know he was good at it. It cannot be as simple as Drew Holiday's gone. No, it couldn't. And that shouldn't be the answer that we lean on here. A bit of it is just fundamental basketball where it's like, are you putting a body on somebody while you're looking to get the rebound are you letting guys go uncovered and in that Pacers game in particular the fact that the Bucks spent so much time in the second half in zone we know innately that in zone defense you tend not to be able to rebound as well as you are if you're in man coverage because it's harder to be able to put a body on somebody to box out to get a board and the Pacers were able to sneak and get some boards in that game but even when you look at the previous game you're just kind of like I don't understand the Bucks this season rebounding. As you mentioned, it has been poor. And people point to the fact that Brooke Lopez is out there. And we know that Brooke Lopez has never been somebody who gets big, big rebounding numbers. Brooke Lopez has always been somebody who, for better or worse, is going to look to box out, 
and make sure that one of his guys can get the ball. He's going to tip the ball out. Hopefully one of his guys gets it and then they can initiate the fast break down the other way down the floor. And it's just not working out. You're not seeing guys attack the glass with the same, uh, I don't want to say energy and effort. We already had a conversation about that, but you're not seeing guys attack the glass the same way as they were before. So when you're looking at the two teams, again, in our Pacers matchup, it was only, it was a plus five advantage in rebounding for the Pacers over the Bucks. But part of it's fundamental and part of it is effort. Like you have to go and get the board. You have to go and and get the board is certainly a big one. And, and this is one of the big ones too, which, which speaks to what you had just said too much standing around ball watching for defensive rebounding. Um, I don't think it just applies to the, to the defensive rebounding that we've seen a lot of that this season. And again, I do attribute part of that to being in a new system that I, I think and I don't know this to be true, but in talking with others and just based off some of the things that we'll hear on post games and piecing things together, you kind of get the impression that some of the issues uh, transitions, the other big one that we've talked about that mm-hmm. still lingers. And that's one where it's, you'll look at games, you'll look at the box score and you'll think, Hey, the bucks did a better job here. And then it pops up the next game or a couple of games later, that one, I have always kind of felt like part of it is, the instruction that we have heard, and granted, I don't know that this is how the message is being delivered to players in practice and, and in game reviews and film sessions, but we keep hearing that you have to do this or that. And if that's the way it's being delivered, I think it's easy to explain why this team has been so inconsistent because if you have two guys that are doing that and three guys that are doing this, you're going to have those gaps and you're going to be giving up some of those blow buys. And you think about rebounding and how that's helped other teams transitions. If you've got two guys crashing the offensive glass and one guy is, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. Maybe the other two guys are getting back in transition. You're already beat. And JJ Redick talked about it earlier this season. When the moment you stop to think about what should I be doing here, you're beat. Your defender has that step on you. He's going to get past you. And then there's just no recovering from there. And it does seem like that's part of what we're seeing here. And that's more the ball watching too, is we used to do things this way. I think we want to do things this way now. So should I go get this or should I get down there? That that seems to be to me, part of this issue as well is just because same personnel, it's more of the mental thing of like, wait, what should I be doing in this system? You've been doing the same thing for five years, and now you're being forced to think a little bit differently with a lot of the same guys you've been doing the same things with. So it does take a moment to to try and figure that piece of it out. And I think that leans a bit on what Giannis was saying, too, about just, hey, in the season, it's hard for us to find time to practice. And that was an interesting note that he had about in the post-game conference against the Pacers where he's like, you know, over in Europe, it's one or two games a week and you spend a lot of time together being able to develop. But in the NBA, your practice is coming in live games because we just don't have as much time to practice. And if these are guys who are trying to readjust how they are thinking the game through and where they need to be on the floor and what assignments are supposed to happen, how they're supposed to run the floor, so on and so forth, we're going to see some of those growing pains. And I see R.R. Smith in the comments mention he thinks there might be some similarities between these early season bugs and the early season Packers. Um, and hopefully that the light switch will go off how it did in green Bay here in Milwaukee with this team. But a lot of the things are communication being in the right place, 
playing hard. Like there are some things that this team is just going to have to continue to adjust to. And we might just have to continue to see those growing pains play out in real game situation rather than the team being able to figure a lot of these things out in practice on that court. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this again, that it's going to take time this year that we've continued to point that out. And it's, it seemed like, are they starting to to turn the corner here? Are they figuring it out? Maybe, but there's, it's still not a hundred percent, but I, I think what you're seeing is the skeleton that's there. Like, Hey, if we can come together and figure this out, we have something. The big thing is you've seen how much better they've been, albeit that wasn't the case against the Pacers on Thursday, but by and large, how much better they've been in the clutch and in the half court as an offense and how much Damian Lillard can change that. So if if we were going to point to one thing of, hey, don't lose hope, you still have this. For me, it's that. And that's the biggest difference between them now and the last five years. That was the issue. You couldn't score. You could get all the stops in the world, but sooner or later, that well's going to run dry and you're not scoring on the other end. It, it, it just becomes insurmountable when that's the case. So that's different this year, but I think the big message is we've continued to push forward is okay, but you shouldn't want to play in a clutch game every game. Like start to show me we don't have to rely on those final five minutes. And, and that's going to be a big part uh, moving forward as we continue to see less and less of that. And as a few people have pointed out uh, as well, look, we pointed it out too. You don't have Pat Connaughton right now. You don't have Jay Crowder. I'm not saying all these games that you've lost, you win those with those two, but it solves some of what we've talked about or goes a step towards solving that. So we do need to wait and see an extended run of this team starting to click and figure things out uh, as they have some more health. And, and those two guys returning will, uh, will certainly be a big part of that. Uh, we will have a game recap tomorrow night, the Bucks and the Bulls once again. So, yeah, as it's been pointed out, you got the, the Bulls, you got the Pacers at home as well. You've got the Celtics coming up uh, in about a month or so as well, and two games with the New York Knicks. So you got all these teams that we've seen a lot of popping up on the schedule, but there are a lot of home games. So I, I talked about it last time, too, if the Bucks wouldn't have been in the semifinals and would have been playing the Pacers at home, you basically would be home for a month where you would be in the Milwaukee area or Chicago from November 29th all the way until December 22nd. So when you have this amount of home games too, the other thing to, to make note of, I know it doesn't happen a lot, but it gives you time to have more practices and film sessions and use your facilities. And these are things that Giannis's comments have alluded to. So that's one area to, uh, to see if uh, if that helps this group take a step forward. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up here, Camille? My last thought, just really quick on the Bobby Portis uh, comment that came out. Which we did not get to, yeah. Yeah, just really quick. Um, it was interesting to me to hear that come out because one, not used to hearing a lot of things come out of the Bucks locker room as it is about what's going on behind the scenes with them. Um, so that was interesting. And also that it was Bobby who was the one who spoke up because, I mean, we've talked about the bench play. Giannis mentioned that too in his post-game conference. Like our bench play hasn't been great. And in that Pacers game, the Pacers bench was so much better than ours. So I was like, the messenger is interesting, but frustration is frustration. When you see something that's not working, you're going to call it out. And based on what the reports that came out said, it appears that Griff was like, hey, I feel you on that. Like I can be better and y'all can be better. And Bobby said, yes we have some ownership of that as well. And again, it's more signs to me of growing pains with this team. And at this point in the season on December 10th, 
2023, we are not sure if these growing pains are a larger like systematic problem with this team or if they're just still trying to figure things out. So we not we don't like to hear the answer if we need more time to see, but with this Bucks team, that's still the case. And I think the next month, the next month and a half is going to be very, very interesting to watch for this team. Yeah, and a, a few people pointed out as well what we just went over. Uh, look, Griff has been open to that, and you know, these are some of the things we've seen with Bobby Portis that'll help charge him too. And it, there's no question he's better at home because he energizes the fans and yep. a lot of home games coming up. So I would expect a pretty good showing from Bobby Portis given that and just given some of the things we've gone over with this team and not to mention you lost to a Bulls team, an undermanned Bulls team that embarrassed you. So that is an opportunity at redemption there as well. So I would look for a much improved play, a much improved game from Bobby Portis tomorrow night uh, against the Bulls. Uh, we should also point out before we wrap up here, Camille, when we don't have a game on a Sunday, we're going to try to make these live at around yeah. 10 a.m. sometime in the late morning uh, that we're going to do these Sunday shows live. So uh, if there is no Bucks game on the schedule that day, we're going to be doing these as live shows and a chance to, to interact with you guys every Sunday. Camille and Frank will be back with a recap of the Bulls game tomorrow night. For Camille, I'm Justin. We'll talk to you then.